Welcome to the Detox Diaries podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Gwena, certified holistic health coach and detox enthusiast, and I'm here to talk all things detox. Toxins exist in our lives in many forms, from the foods we eat, products we use, people we spend time with, and even the thoughts in our heads. Here we discuss how various toxins may be sapping our energy and vitality, and how we can detox to create a life we love. Each week, we'll discuss everything from nutrition, clean beauty, body image, stress management techniques, career and business, relationships, you name it. Whether it's with a guest or just yours truly, we'll get real, raw, and honest and provide tangible tips to detox all areas of our lives. If you're ready to step into the most vibrant version of you, let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Detox Diaries podcast. Today, We are going to be talking about dispelling weight loss and health myths. So this is something that I talk about a lot with definitely with my clients on Instagram, if you follow me there, and I kind of like hit the highlights, but I wanted to do a deeper dive on the show today because I feel like at this point, a lot of us are pretty aware of what those myths are that are out there. But we don't like really believe that they're myths. Like part of us gets that they probably are, but then part of us is still hanging on to an old story that they're probably true. So I kind of just wanted to dive a little bit deeper and give some more detail into why they're not true, some things that are true, to hopefully kind of help you break free kind of of feeling... I think a lot of people feel sort of stuck by these like old myths and rules and lots of times it is preventing people from experiencing the vibrant health and balance that has them really living the best possible way that they can and feeling really good about the way that they take care of their bodies. So the first one that I wanted to touch on is the idea in general that weight loss and health are intrinsically tied. So even like when I'm speaking about the like the title and the topic of this episode, it's like weight loss and health myths. Because I think number one within kind of that bucket is that people thinking that if you're making healthier decisions for yourself overall, that that always correlates to weight loss. And on the other side of that, like if you are losing weight, it must be healthy. And those things are just really not that related ultimately. Um, unfortunately, there are a lot of really unhealthy ways to lose weight. And also you can be doing very healthy things for your body and maybe not be losing weight. And that said, most people who are doing healthy things for their body will experience weight loss. So I'm not trying to say that when you adopt a healthier lifestyle, you shouldn't work off of the assumption that that will result in some weight being lost. But I think, unfortunately, lots of times we kind of correlate it with crash diets and have unrealistic expectations of results. And again, in some rarer cases, even with generalized healthier lifestyles, there can be things that we need to dive deeper into. And really, when it comes to weight loss, there is a lot of nuance And it's really based on a lot of different things that are happening in our body. So whether it be our gut, our hormones, our metabolism, and when you're living an overall healthy life, you are optimizing all of those things to a certain degree. But depending on what your body has gone through over the years, I mean, all of our exposure to whether it's junk foods or external toxins or birth control, I mean, there are so many different things that can affect the balance of these major parts of our body. So If you are someone who feels like you're doing, quote unquote, all the right things, but you 
feel like your body is hanging on to some excess weight and you really want to kind of tap into that more like optimal like biohacking type of health, like that's when you can get more granular and get different kinds of testing, like testing on your gut and your hormones and stuff like that. And that can help you to kind of like take things to that next extra step. But, and even when you do that, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to lose that weight that you want to, because we also, our bodies can change as we age and our bodies are also just all very different no matter what. So even if we're all doing the most optimal things for our bodies and we're in the most optimal state as possible, not everyone is meant to be a size two or a size four. So just understanding that everybody's body is different and just because you might be someone who is wearing a bigger size jeans, it in no way is a reflection of you being an unhealthy person. And just because you're wearing a small pair of jeans, it doesn't mean that you are healthy. So I think that we can have this bias when it comes to judgment of ourselves, probably that in the most significant way because we love to judge ourselves, but also how we look at other people. So kind of just understanding that, I mean, comparison can be really hard, but you don't know what's going on in anyone else's body. You don't know what their habits are. You don't know how they're actually feeling. There is just, again, so much nuance to it all. So just to really do what works for you, take care of yourself. And again, I hope that as we hit on some of these other myths that you can kind of help to tap in even more to what really works for you and your body. So I would say the number two biggest myth is the concept of calories in, calories out, all calories being created equal, like kind of so many iterations on those thoughts. And basically the concept behind that is that if you are eating less calories than you're burning in any given day, that creates a calorie deficit and then you should be losing weight. And there's obviously a lot of different information out there about this, but in general, women burn anywhere from like 1,800 to 2,400 calories a day naturally and men 2,400 to 3,200. And this would be kind of referred to as like your metabolic rate. So at your resting rate, how many calories you're burning in any given day. So then these people who support this science would say, if you are consuming less than that, you're creating a deficit and therefore you should be losing weight. So kind of, and then obviously I feel like what we all hear for the most part is the whole like 1200 calories a day is like the deficit that we should be aiming for, which you know, can be very low. Again, it totally depends on the person, but for most people, 1,200 calories a day is a pretty low number and less than that is very low. So basically we're already playing a guessing game when we're just throwing a dart and picking a number of calories because most of us do not know what our basal metabolic rate is. And though there are like equations that you can, you know, probably like put in your weight and your height and all of that, It does not actually factor in your muscle mass or any of the other things that would relate to your basal metabolic rate. So again, that is already just a guess. And then of course, it brings us to the concept of all calories being created equal. So basically a calorie is a unit of energy and the way that they kind of test to understand how many calories are in something is that 
it is the amount of energy that's required to heat one kilogram of water by one degree Celsius. And they do this testing in a machine. <laughs> so a calorieometer, or I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but it is a machine. It's not a human body. So it does not factor in variations in our bodies, like our metabolism, our digestion, our gut microbiome, our hormones. All of these different things have a major impact on the way that our body processes this. And also it doesn't factor in the nutritional value or downstream hormonal impacts of the foods we're consuming. So basically how our body reacts, metabolizes, digests, processes, all of the things. I just took this example of 260 calories of, let's say, a bowl that you made with like some brown rice and broccoli and avocado or 260 calories of a pack of Entenmann's brownies. I just like found one so I could pull the information and go through it in some detail. So obviously those two things are completely not comparable. Like those 260 calories are not created equally in any way, shape or form. Your brown rice, broccoli, avocado bowl has vitamins, nutrients, fiber, fat, carbohydrates, protein, things that support a healthy gut, metabolism, hormonal balance, do all amazing things for our body in general. But that 260 calorie pack of brownies has 22 grams of added sugar, which by the way is almost as much as the daily recommended value of 25 in just one little pack of brownies. It also doesn't just contain sugar in its pure form, which by the way is the number one ingredient listed on the label, meaning that it is the highest concentrated ingredient in that food, but also high fructose corn syrup, which we know has major impacts on our hormonal signaling. It is way more sweet than actual sugar. It really, it lights up the reward signals in our brains, keeping us wanting to come back for more. And then there's also tons of other ingredients in there that are toxic, including different like artificial flavorings. And it only has one gram of fiber. So essentially no fiber, which is what helps our body to detoxify and also keeps us full. So basically zero nutritional value packed with toxic ingredients that wreak havoc on our hormones, our gut health, and likely contribute to a diet that is too high in added sugars. Because if this is one thing that you're eating out throughout the day and it already is basically your daily value of added sugar. That is really not a good place to start from because one thing without a shadow of a doubt that impacts our weight and our overall health is excess sugar and glucose because we obviously need carbohydrates and glucose because we burn them for energy, but when we're consuming them in extreme excess, they ultimately get stored as fat because we're not using up all of the energy and the sugar that our body is accumulating. And probably the scariest part of when I was Googling this random product is that they're being marketed to children. And when you think about it, you know, if you're eating a bowl that has, again, like the brown rice, broccoli, avocado, like that's a decent size. 260 calories is not nothing of those things. Probably not a full meal. I just kind of like used it as because it's the amount of calories that's in brownies. But it would still be pretty filling and you would feel satisfied. Whereas that pack of brownies, I can pretty much guarantee you, you're going to be looking for another snack within an hour, if not less. And it's just going to be putting you on a blood sugar roller coaster and having you be out of whack all day. So 
an extreme example to use, but I think it's pretty clear that all calories are not created equally at all. So again, also just to kind of piggyback on that idea of sugar, fruit is very much demonized as being too high in sugar by various diets that are out there. But the sugar that's in fruit cannot in any way be associated with the same sugar that's in like soda or cupcakes. Our body looks at it completely differently. Fruit comes with fiber, it comes with nutrients and hydration, it has wonderful health benefits. And while like everything else, people can have very individual reactions to fruit, it is a beautiful thing to include in your diet in varying degrees. And everybody is also different in terms of what kind of fruit works for them. So maybe lower sugar fruits, like let's say berries, just agree with you more and that's totally fine. But there is absolutely no reason that fruit in general should ever be demonized or just lumped into a bucket of like sugar because that is just absolutely not true at all. Number three, kind of still on this concept of calories in, calories out to a certain extent is how fitness relates to calories. So there's the whole mentality of, well, I can earn back some calories if I burn them, which really that's not how it works. Obviously, when we exert ourselves more and use up more energy, we are using up some of the food from what we eat, but it's not as cut and dry as calories in, calories out in that sense either. And the truth is, when we work out, one of the more beneficial ways to do that is actually to do resistance training, which helps our body's metabolic, basal metabolic rate to increase. So that way we are just consistently burning more calories at a resting rate because our body has built more muscle, which burns more calories. So I know for me, for years, it was always like, well, if I get skinny, then I can start doing Pilates, but I need to be on the soul cycle bike six days a week to burn off, you know, the fat that I already have, quote unquote, or like whatever I ate for lunch that day. And at the end of the day, you're kind of just fighting an uphill battle there because you're not, again, you're not building that muscle. So you're not getting your body to a place where it's actually just burning more naturally. And you're just trying to kind of put out fires each and every day. And ultimately, lots of times when we're doing some like really aggressive workouts, like, I mean, I still love Soul Cycle. So, you know, something like that, unfortunately, it can be a lot on our bodies to be doing so often. And lots of times workouts like that or like these aggressive like hits workouts or berries can be inflammatory to our bodies because it's just a lot of, it's a lot of like aggressive, intense workout. And again, Workouts, like everything else that we talk about, are so individualized and everybody's body is different and you really have to be in tune to that. But for lots of people, doing so much really intense working out can actually end up having the opposite impact of what we're trying to do. So I definitely recommend if you love your high-intensity workouts, I'm not telling you that you have to leave them by any means, but if they don't seem to be working for you anymore, maybe scale them back and swap in some lower intensity things that can build some muscle. So whether that's resistance training with your own body weight, so something like Pilates, or if you wanna just do some strength training with weights, like any kind of like resistance or muscle growing type thing that you can do of any kind is ultimately gonna have a better impact on your basal metabolic rate. 
And one other thing on that note is often women are worried that if they do strength training, they're going to get bulky and look bigger. That is, unless you are doing insane amounts of strength training and eating foods that are intentionally trying to bulk you up, the chances of that happening are pretty much zero. So don't let that deter you from adding some strength training into your routine. Number four is again, kind of in this realm of like deficit and like less is better, getting that number of calories down is that hunger is a sign that it's working. So this is something that came up with one of my clients that she has a really hard time kicking this mentality of you're not losing weight unless you are going to bed hungry. And that is not true. <laughs> and ultimately, and this again, like all of these things are relating to weight because I feel like most most of the myths are related to weight, but Also, a lot of these things are detrimental to our health when we are subscribing to these beliefs. So I really think it's important to share them is when we let ourselves get so hungry, and I think we've probably all experienced that kind of hunger where we push past it, we push past it, and then it's actually like we're not even hungry anymore. That actually is our body's response to us not getting food when we need it. So I always call it like starvation mode. But basically, when you are not listening to your body's cues, when you are actually physically hungry and you're not feeding yourself when you are hungry, your body, after enough time, starts to think, okay, I guess I don't have easy access to food anymore. So that means that I need to conserve everything that is currently on my body already because I don't know where my next meal is going to come from. So then what actually happens is your body is hanging on so tightly to every like fat cell that it has because it doesn't want to be left with nothing. So when we are ignoring our body when we're hungry, that is actually having the opposite impact of what we want. And really, we don't want to be walking around hungry. That is not the point of a healthy lifestyle. That is not at all mandatory to be at your ideal weight or the weight that is actually ideal for your body, your optimal weight, it should not come with starvation ever. And that brings me to number five, which is anything that tells you not to listen to your own body is not good. (laughs) We should always be listening to our body. So the first like specific thing that kind of pops into my head with something like this is the whole concept of intermittent fasting. And this has, I mean, blown up and become such a big thing. And there are a lot of benefits and a lot of studies that prove that there are benefits to different forms of fasting and intermittent fasting. But the major disclaimer that I want to share with everyone here is that when you hear that something is backed by studies or studies have found, all of that kind of stuff, the vast, vast amount of any kind of study that's done in the health and wellness space in the fitness space, honestly, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's also when it comes to like different types of medications, it's actually really alarming in general, is on men and postmenopausal women. Women who are in their reproductive years are essentially completely left out of these studies and our hormonal functioning can be very, very different. I, I mean, it not can be, it is very, very different than men's and then postmenopausal women. And 
intermittent fasting is definitely one of these things where it is just completely not, it's understudied on naturally cycling and within our um, reproductive years women, and it's mostly not beneficial. And actually, I have a client who was doing it for a long time and really not feeling well, feeling fatigued, often feeling hungry, stressed, like just not feeling her best and was kind of buying into pretty much all of these myths that we're talking about. She was doing intermittent fasting. She was ignoring when she was feeling hungry. She was eating less than she should have been eating in general because she was just skipping meals and not listening to what her body needed. And once we got her regulated and eating more regularly and making sure that she was listening to her body and actually eating when she was hungry, so she's actually eating much more than she was previously and she's feeling better in her body than she ever has she's seeing differences in her skin and it really is so crazy to think that the old lifestyle that she was living really pretty much buys into most of the myths that I'm talking about here today and she was not feeling well and when she actually listened to her body fed herself well when she was hungry and more food is when she's experiencing the best results so it's not to say that there is not some beneficial elements to fasting because our body does need time to recover, to not be working on digesting food, but to actually be doing other different um, processes and things in our body. But for the most part, 12 hours is enough for us to be getting those benefits. And for most people, that is the time between when you stop eating dinner and when you eat breakfast the next day. So if you like to have some kind of rule in your head, 12 hours is really is the sweet spot where you're experiencing those benefits of fasting, but you're not starting to throw your hunger signals and your hormones and all of that stuff out of whack. And I mean, another thing kind of on this track of not listening to your body is there are plenty of diets out there that are super specific. And it's like, eat at this time, don't eat at this time, only eat this much food, like just so detailed. And again, it's like, you're being told exactly what to do and when. And any of that stuff, again, where you're not listening to your own body is to me just like a giant red flag because your body knows what it needs. And, you know, this kind of lines up with the concept of intuitive eating, which probably most people have heard of, which basically is saying no to the diet culture and just being like, my body knows what it needs and I'm going to feed it what it wants and when it wants. And the one caveat to this, unfortunately, is that most of us have no idea how to listen to our bodies because we have been ignoring them for most of our lives. Whether it is when we're a kid and we're told you have to finish what's on your plate or when we're, you know, a teenager and we're on some kind of a diet for the first time, whatever it may be, like we are really, most of us, very, very disconnected from the reality of what our body needs whether it be from those conditioning things, but also from the standard American diet. Because when we are feeding our body food that is not real, chemicalized ingredients, excess sugar, all of this kind of stuff completely messes with our natural hormonal signaling and all of that kind of stuff. So our body kind of can't even tell us what it needs because it's, it's all thrown off by everything that we have been feeding it and exposing it to. So that's why when I help my clients, what we really focus on is choosing real foods, ideally plants as much as possible, but whole foods 
And these things really help to regulate your hormonal signaling again, and you'll get back on track. Your gut will get cleaned up. So those wacky cravings and things will start to go away and you can listen to your body and your body will be able to tell you more easily what it is looking for, when you're hungry, when you're full, all of that kind of stuff. So it's definitely a disclaimer that they make it sound so easy, like intuitive eating is like, just eat what you want when you want to. But it's not an easy thing for most of us because we, again, are so disconnected. So this is something that I help my clients with all the time and also helping them to see that you do get to the point where you can listen to your body. I provide some guidelines because people like guidelines um, and it helps them when they've been you know, exposed to and indoctrinated into these rules, people like rules. But it does start to get to a point where you just know, but it does take some practice to get there. So if you are trudging your way through this, don't judge yourself. It is completely normal. It is really hard for people to master the intuitive eating thing, I mean, myself included. Number six myth would be demonizing a specific macro and cutting it down to nearly nothing. So for me, the clear example of this is like extreme keto. And diets like this can be beneficial in the short term. Like some of them have been treatment for different types of things because they can, the body goes through extreme things based on these extreme diets where you're cutting out a major macro. But things like that were not created to be a lifestyle. They were created to be a short-term solution to a specific problem. But the issue is that stuff like this blows up and then people are doing it as a lifestyle, which it was never intended to be. And, And Atkins is the same way. And at the end of the day, we need all macros in order to properly energize our bodies, produce hormones, all of those amazing things. And the sad part is that people do do something like keto and they will lose weight. And this is another example, again, of like weight loss and health not being tied in any way. (laughs) But, and lots of times what happens is people who are maybe starting a a diet like extreme keto were over consuming the wrong carbohydrates before. So they could probably have kept their carbohydrate consumption higher than like something like keto and just cut out the bad ones. (laughs) But that's not the case. So, and unfortunately, lots of times when you hear people saying that they cut out carbs and everything changed, it's because they cut out the really detrimental carbs that really affect our blood sugar, processed foods and white breads and all of that stuff. And it really demonizes all of the amazing, healthy, complex carbohydrates that can soup beneficial, that have beneficial um, properties for our bodies. So, I mean, just as an example, like lots of people have maybe said that they've lost weight on keto, but they're also experiencing premature cell aging, low energy, skin breakouts, horrible breath, which I mean, to me, that just in and of itself is like, doesn't feel like that could be a good sign. And ultimately lots of hormonal imbalances, again, especially in naturally cycling women who are in their, um, their reproductive years, that keto can be really, really totally throw off all of your hormones when you are in those years. So these diets are, as I said, not, they are diets. (laughs) They are not lifestyles and not something to be done in the long term. And number seven, and the final one would be 
the myth is that there's one magic bullet. There's one way to live the healthiest or lose weight or whatever it may be. There is no one right way for everybody. If there was, I would like to think we would have found it by now. Everybody is different. And losing weight especially is extremely individualized. So finding the right way for you is a blend of making healthy choices, but also finding the balance that makes your life enjoyable and gives you the best results. So, you know, across all of the different clients that I've worked with, they experience great results, but their lifestyles, their daily habits, the foods that they eat primarily, their workouts are all totally different from each other. But they derive from the overall guidance that they can experiment with different things that are generally healthy for most people. And then they find what really works for their body, their state of mind, and their life, like what they actually like. Like nobody should have to be forcing themselves to do something that they don't want to do or they don't like. That's just not a healthy lifestyle that is sustainable. And part of overall health and happiness or health is happiness. I kind of gave it away there. But, you know, if we're not happy, if we're not enjoying ourselves in the day to day, it's it's just not a truly healthy way of living. So personally, whenever I hear any specific regimented health, diet, nutrition plan saying that it is the one and only solution to all of your problems, it's just like that's bullshit right off the bat. Like just knowing that there is no way that's true, there is no magic bullet out there, and everybody's body is different, and you really just have to get in tune with yourself. And it starts with just making those generalized healthier decisions, learning all the different things that are out there that can work for you, experimenting, listening to your body, and you kind of start to cultivate what feels really good for you. And again, that is something that I help my clients with all the time. It's what I love to do. So if this is something that you would be interested in chatting with me about, I do offer free consultations. So I will link up to that in the show notes. But I just wanted to share this episode again because if you're feeling held back from making choices for your health because you feel like any of these rules matter, that upsets me (laughs) because these things are just not true. And living a healthy lifestyle is not about deprivation and eating as little as you possibly can and and adding up numbers and it's just none of that it's eating real food that makes you feel good it's moving your body it's trusting yourself it's sleeping it's it's about so much more than these stupid diet culture things that we have been told forever so I hope that you got that out of this episode and I hope that you're ready to just stop believing at least some of these things and, you know, either stop beating yourself up or forcing yourself to live within these confines or stop putting off making changes for your health because you think this is what it looks like because that is not at all what it looks like. So I would love to hear from you um, which one of these you were like still hanging on to and are completely ready to let go of. Um, Definitely share with a friend if you know somebody who is stuck in some of these old beliefs. And thank you again for being here and I will see you on the next one. Bye.